Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France and South Korea have also got evacuation plans. But you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't and the worst happens. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to War Room Pandemic. We're live from New York City today. Just had an amazing event last night to kick off to the national tour of the plot to steal 2020. The plot's been exposed. Uh, the, look, that's not conspiracy theory. There are no conspiracies, but there are no coincidences. And over the last, I guess, two months, uh, Raheem Kassam and the team uh, has done a very excellent job of uh, deconstructing exactly what the Democrats were trying to do. And here's why. Because they uh, they didn't listen to war and pandemic. They didn't understand how, in this global pandemic, you can mitigate risk. Reasonable people can mitigate risk. They avoided the... Uh, the uh, what ethos and uh, logos of the Aristotelian argument, as Raheem Kassam pointed out, they went right to the pathos. And they've traumatized their base. They have nobody that wants to go vote. 69% of Democrats want to vote by carrier pigeon, Western Union, uh, smoke signal, or, you know, vote by the pound mail. Uh, and so the situation they've got, they're completely freaked out. They're forcing, uh, you know, Juan Shishan's uh, bestie, Michael Bloomberg, uh, is putting $100 million uh, into Florida to make sure Trump doesn't win an election. Day. Now he's announced uh, the Washington Post got a breaking story, $16 million to make sure all the felons can vote. Um, and uh, so they're, 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 they're out there nonstop to try to drag in every vote possible. This shows you in the hashtag crowd on the live stream how important every vote is. What are you guys are doing? Remember, here's how you're going to stand up and save your republic. Number one, you're going to push out content all day long, right, to make sure that everybody you know is woke, that they understand what this what this plan is, what this plot is, that they're aware of this. Number two, uh, you're going to uh, to volunteer to uh, to work phone banks, etc. And hey, you're part of the Bernie uh, economic nationalist and populist. If, if you if you have listened to this and you're still a Biden guy, that's fine. We believe in participation. What we don't believe is shutting anybody down. Okay, so you should go volunteer and get out. This is we want this to be a fair fight. We want it to be a tough fight. We have no problem with that. Uh, and so if you're not convinced by uh, listening to what's happened over the last couple of months on the show, hey, that's fine. We believe that uh, Biden's uh, populism and his economic nationalism is completely phony, right? He's the uh, he's the representative of the Wilmington, Delaware, you know, corporate uh, corporate post office box. Uh, that's a drop box. It's a drop box for the globalists. Uh, Raheem, uh, Jack, I want to turn back to you. How important this is, every day you've got to hammer this, you've got to volunteer to be an election official, you've got to volunteer to be a poll watcher, there's numbers of sites, go to, go to Faith and Freedom of, uh, you know, the, the, the evangelicals, you can go to all these different sites, the campaign, the RNC, your state party, all these volunteer sites, there's uh, tons out there, they got this great thing that uh, Job Credit Network's putting on called 10 for 20 of signing people up before October 5th to actually vote. It's all out there. 
what you have to do is put away the golf clubs, put down the tennis racket, and make sure you're committing every second of your free time to be engaged in this fight. This is to save this republic. We just went out with Battle Hymn of the Republic. Now it's time. This is a battle. It's a battle to save this republic. Jack Maxey, back to you, and then Raheem. Yeah, I was just uh, reminded, looking at the live stream, I think people really like the Battle Hymn of the Republic, and I just want to remark on it. What a powerful song. That's our GOP theme song. It's aged a little better than Dixie, don't you think, Democrats? And once again, here we are in 2020, and that was song came out in, I believe, 1862. But we're reminded of 1860. They didn't get their way, and what, are they threat- what did they threaten then? They're going to burn it down. That's what they are threatening again right now. This is history repeating itself, or at the very least, rhyming, people. We got to be in this fight, and that's the most important thing. Because you should look around, look at your children, your grandchildren, your family. All of this is on the line, people. So we want you to be a part of it, and we want you to keep carrying on. Steve, sorry for blowing my horn here. It's absolutely fine. We're going to be announcing other sites. We're going to be doing three, four, five a day on the national tour. We're going to be up on uh, on, on Skype nonstop. Getting to your, if you're in hashtag pandemic, you're in the live stream, reach out to the team. Want to get all your groups in there. Obviously, we're going to be very focused on battleground states, very focused on Pennsylvania, very focused on Florida, very focused on North Carolina, Arizona. So uh, those are the priorities. We're going to be all over. We've got another big event tomorrow night. Uh, in New York City, and uh, we're going to do other New York City events, but uh, we're, we're prepared, and look, Jack Maxey can give this brief, Raheem Kassam Raheem gave a stem winder opener last night. The whole team's going to be on this, so it's most important to get this information out in the next two or three weeks and get an action plan of how to combat it. Raheem, we've got other stuff to go through. The House put out a, the House Republicans put out a massive 96-page report on the uh, CCP virus last night. Uh, we've got all kind of breaking news out of Europe, I know. Uh, we're going to have Liz here in the next segment. Raheem, I want to toss it back to you to put this in perspective of where exactly we stand with the plot to steal 2020. Yeah, well, the uh, speaking of hammering every day, I had to change rooms to stop the hammering outside my window, and it turns out they've just gone around the building and started hammering outside my window again. So I'm sorry to everybody if you hear something in the background as background noise, but hey, this is the way it goes. Um, when you, you know you put these things together at last minute notice and it's fundamentally important that you guys out there that are watching this day in and day out get involved at whatever level you can whether it's making sure that you're a, a, you know, a social media stalwart whether you're sharing everything whether you're copying emails to 50 people 100 people every day uh, whether it's helping us organize one of these events if you've got somewhere you know you want an event to happen you can pull in a crowd then you have to let us know. Let us know in the live chat. Let us know at hashtag war and pandemic. Jack Maxey uh, monitors the hashtag war and pandemic all day, every day to make sure that we represent your views here on the show. And here's the thing. The reason that the left is so scared now rolling out all their October surprises, rolling out everything that they had kept in the uh, in the tank is because they, number one, it was the RNC versus the DNC. You saw that stark juxtaposition of those two events. Number two, you look at the polling. Even their most uh, plus margin of error polling now shows Joe Biden in the decline against President Trump. And what that really means is that President Trump is now creeping up above Joe Biden in the polls. You know, they're they're always underweighting Republicans in these things. But number three to all of this thing is complacency. 
fear it, hate it, loathe it, reject it. That is the most important and critical thing right now because it will come down to the mobilization. It will come down to the enthusiasm. It will come down to how many people that you drag out on election day knock on their de- your neighbor's door, say, hey, come on, we're going to vote. All of us are going to vote. We're going to vote in person. We're going to vote together. Those are the things that the Democrats really loathe. And I'm going to tell you something right now that they are very, very afraid of. This came to me from a very senior Democratic Party source over the last 24 hours. They hate the framing that the CCP virus will pass and the American economy will last. They have tested these things and they know that that message is one of the most dangerous messages that the president should be going out there and repeating. For the Democrats, it's dangerous. The CCP virus will pass. The American economy will last because guess what? We're all talking about lockdowns again. Europe's talking about new lockdowns again. And Joe Biden's about to start talking about lockdowns again. I mean, there is fear born on the television every single day. 200,000. We're passing 200,000. I can't wait till we hit 200,000. The media is excited about these deaths. They think these deaths mean the death of Donald Trump. But it's not. It doesn't have to be. The CCP virus will pass. The American economy will last. Gentlemen. This is the key thing about this. In modern times, remember, it's all about learning curve. You get more information, more data. You know, the mainstream media is sitting there going, oh, Trump's not database, science-based. We are nonsense. We are the first ones that sit there and go, hey, these are about targeted interventions, right? you, you got to protect the old age homes. you got to protect our elderly. you got to protect the greatest generation. you got to protect comorbidities. you got to protect certain minority communities. This is, America can do this, and you just got to think this through. There's no reason. We're the ones that advocate these hard lockdowns at the beginning when you need them. Now you can do it in a much more sophisticated way. Uh, you don't need these mass lockdowns. In New York City, you have total chaos. Why? They want chaos. They want the streets to be taken over by Antifa and these radical Marxist elements of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, I might just add, took down on their webpage on one of their home sites, Jack Maxey, that they no longer uh, uh, agree with destroying the nuclear family, right? That's when they got caught, caught out by uh, National Pulse and Jack Maxey and other people at the War Room of how radical their... Uh, their ideas were when he really looked at them. But no, this is the thing. The, Amer- the CCP virus will pass. The American economy will last. And you got to do this by doing it smart. The mass, you saw on Don Lemon last night, these people are idiots and they're dangerous idiots. And they speak about they speak about a bunch of crap. They don't know the structure to the system. They're very flippant. And what Don Lemon and CNN did, it's their responsibility. It's their fault. They cause mass hysteria and traumatize their base. Their base does not want to come out and vote, okay? They don't want to come out of the hole because they've been told if you come out, you're going to die, okay? And so not coming out of their hole, right? They got these people holed up in mass hysteria, right, thinking that would help defeat Trump. Guess what? The law of unintended consequences is they don't have the votes. Donald J. Trump's going to win on Election Day. And they understand they have to reverse this fact. And so that's why they're running around the courts. That's why they're running around with all this nonsense. And every day from here to Inauguration Day, remember, the only thing that matters is not just winning on Election Day. What matters is making sure that Trump takes the oath of office and not an illegitimate, unelected junta that Joe Biden represents. That's what people have to embrace right now on the right, that Joe Biden will be illegitimate, he will be unelected, and they're going to try to force this down the American people's throat with a legal mob, a street mob, and a digital mob. Those mobs are going to try to overwhelm the American people. They're going to try to terrorize 
the deplorables are going to try to terrorize the American people, uh, and they're going to try to steal this election. We are dedicated to getting this word out. Just the facts, and we're, we're using their facts. We don't. This is not from us. This is just their own reporting. Raheem, I want to just reiterate the dangerous rhetoric that they're using. Go back to the uh, to the to the Nick Bergruen guy, the CCP backed uh, and partnered Nick Bergruen. Uh, tell me about what his executive director is saying about Michael Anton, one of the leading intellectuals in the Trump movement. Called the, com the, the never-ending coup. Um, back for the American mind a couple of weeks ago, I had him on the National Pulse show um, at, at 3 p.m. that day, and uh, he walked us through, you know, from the National Pulse's original reporting to where everybody's sort of gone now with Darren Beatty and the color revolutions and Michael Anton pieced the whole thing together. Then, after that, just yesterday, Niels Gilman, who is one of the co-founders of this bipartisan, non-partisan transition integrity project, Niels Gilman tweets, he says, Michael Anton is the Robert Brasilek of our times and deserves the same fate. And you have to understand, number one, by the way, that's not been taken down by Twitter right now. Number two, Gilman actually doubled down on his comments, which I understand is causing some consternation inside the Transition Integrity Project right now. More on that in days to come. Uh, but Gilman says to all the conservative snowflakes I triggered with this post, spare me your outrage so long as you remain quiet on a sitting GOP senator running an ad calling for the murder of uh, journalists. And then he posts some ad uh, by Kelly Loeffler, which is, which is getting coverage on CNN right now. But here's the thing. Robert Brasilek was put up against the wall and executed for his political views. Now, it's not a defense of Robert Basilic. It's not a defense of any of that. What I'm talking about is the, the um, analogy that Gilman is using. He says, Michael Anton deserves the same fate. Not been removed by Twitter. This is a direct threat to somebody who has rumbled the coup against the president of the United States in a very public fashion. And as you said last night, Steve, you know, people might guffaw at this. You might even chuckle at how stupid people like Nils Gilman are, but they're dangerous. If you're somebody like Michael Anton, you don't have a security detail. You know, you think to yourself, actually, you know, what does happen if I'm walking down, uh, you know, uh, North Capitol Street uh, at 9 p.m. Uh, over the next coming weeks? You know, D.C. is not a town that most people feel secure in right now anyway. Imagine you've got one of the leading left-wing strategists calling for you to be executed. Okay, guys. This is the point of the story. Is that his, Steve, we've got to go, we gotta go to a break, yeah. mate. We've got to go to a break. We've got 15 seconds here. Guys, we are on this. We're going to be back. We're going to be talking about this House Minority Report on China. And we're going to start to ask the question, why do the Democrats always defend our enemies? Back in one minute. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back. You're in the War Room, episode 400 now with almost 15 million downloads. Of course, we're on the John Frederick Radio Network. We're on Real America's Voice. That's Dish Channel 219. Now also Comcast Chicago Channel 113. On Newsmax TV in 70 million homes, G News, GTV, uh, we're on Roku, Pluto, every platform, Facebook, all over. Plus our podcast, almost 15 million. Where you ubiquitous, you can get us everywhere. Later in the day, we put up uh, we put up uh, 
parts of the content, great polls we're doing during the show. Uh, I want to talk about, before I get to our guest, Liz, your guys, uh, you know, the uh, the death threat to Michael Anton is still up on Twitter. Twitter has no problem with that, talking about a guy that was executed, uh, I guess, right after World War II. Somebody was executed, right? And, and, and Niels Gilman saying this should be the fate of Michael Anton. Why? Because Michael Anton had really the, uh, the audacity to point out what these people are trying to do to steal an election and to impose an illegitimate, remember, Joe Biden, is an illegitimate and unelected um, junta of what they're trying to do. Okay, that's always a cipher. They don't care how he acts. They don't care how he, he walks around. He's got checking back the bid for the note card about what he's saying. I think uh, uh, I think Dr. Uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Lallan on uh, on Real America's Voice Radio just put up something that I can't even say the Pledge of Allegiance. I haven't had a chance to, to look at it, but Joe Biden stumbling around again with the. Uh, he's got to take. By the way, he was up on a podium. You got to take the mask off. Okay. Don't virtue signal. Take the mask off and let's speak, okay? You're six, you're six feet away from people. You're, you're socially distanced. Go ahead and speak, and then you can put the mask back on. They're sitting there, sitting there talking with the mask. You're already in the mumble tank. We can't understand what you're saying anyway because you've got sundowners. It just makes it harder when you're mumbling uh, through your, uh, through your uh, reading off the teleprompter. I want to go back to social media. This is the hammer they're going to drop. Miles Woe said, hey, of all the weapons the CCP's got, it's not their nuclear weapon. It's not even their biological weapons. The biggest weapon they got is social media. And you see, uh, Raheem, I know you're going to end at the C Block talk about the TikTok fiasco, right, which is we recommend to the president. Announce your opinion the Supreme Court today and also announce shutting down TikTok in perpetuity uh, in the United States. Um, but um, this uh, Dr. Rayan gives a report on one of the biggest channels in India, 800 million people, one of the biggest channels in India, and a channel that's known for its fearless reporting on the Chinese Communist Party. It was Wehan that was at the forefront of how all, 100 apps, Chinese apps, got shut down, including TikTok and WeChat, uh, and really inspired the, uh, the, the working class deplorables of India to really step up for this. Dr. Yan's uh, YouTube gets pulled down right away. And this shows you what they're going to do. Dr. Yan's the canary in the mineshaft. If they can pull down Tucker Carlson with her, if they can pull down her uh, her Twitter feed, right? They keep uh, uh, Gills. Uh, they keep Niels Gilman's up when he's threatening, uh, uh, you know, an assassination of Michael Anton and bragging about it, and then calling people snowflakes like ourselves that are so outraged by this. He's saying, "Hey, just deal with it." Right? That's the arrogance that comes when they got the oligarchs of Silicon Valley that have their back. The White House should understand. You played footsie with these guys for a couple of years. You tried to deal with them. You tried to be even-handed. They're your mortal enemy. They believe they're going to be the hammer that takes down Donald Trump. Now I'm going to turn to Liz Yore. Uh, so glad she's on. Liz, first of all, your old prosecutor hat first before we get into the Vatican and the situation with the Chinese Communist Party and what's happening to our cultural institutions. Let's talk about you as a federal prosecutor. Why is, you know, Bill Barr sitting there saying, hey, New York, Portland, Seattle, they're kind of become anarchist thing. Where is the Justice Department? Where are the U.S. attorneys in rolling up thousands of these Antifa guys? Why are there still any Antifa people in Portland that are destroying the city? How can they possibly exist? Why is the Justice Department not out there rolling these people up? No answer, Steve. Why haven't they declared Antifa a terrorist organization? period, end of story. Um, this is what the American people want, 
They understand that their local and state officials are in bed with Antifa and the revolution, so they are relying on the federal government to protect their communities. And frankly, I think this is becoming the number one issue for voters, uh, Democrats and Republicans. And so it is up to the Justice Department, we've been talking about this for how long, Steve, months, to step up and to take on, you know, take control of the, of the streets and put these guys behind bars and start prosecuting. It's the only thing that's going to stop the chaos in the streets, especially now that we're looking at a new Supreme Court pick. Um, they will use the signal tactics to create chaos and to um, inspire fear in the hearts of Americans. So, again, I have no answers. Uh, it's long overdue. They have plenty of evidence. And it seems to me we're waiting for Antifa to be arrested like we've been waiting for uh, Barr to make further indictments during the Russia hoax. And we wait. But, and we but, but Lou, explain to our audience, why is the Justice Department, Barr is a tough attorney general. Why is this not happening? What is it, is the Justice Department so invested with these progressive left-wing Democrats that Barr himself is the attorney general, don't even have control of it? People just understand, why is Portland allowed to be like it is? Why are there not mass arrests of these anarchists, these terrorists, and these uh, revolutionaries? Steve, I suspect it is pretty much that the U.S. attorneys um, uh, are infiltrated in the deep state, the assistant U.S. attorneys. They have been hired over the last uh, 10 years by the Obama administration and their likes. So that's what we're dealing with. Um, I also know that Chris Ray, big concern about um, violence in the streets is with white supremacists. So, you know, we've got this total disconnect with the justice system. And what is especially disconcerting is that as the American people continue to lose faith in the justice uh, system, this two-tier, which we've seen with Hillary and the deep state, and then we see with regular Americans or Trump supporters, they begin, they're the ones who are persecuted, not the people who are causing all the crime and chaos in the streets. Okay, I'm tired of waiting, and I know the American people are tired of waiting. Okay, let's, let's look from, to take your prosecutor hat off. Let's go back to the back in the CCP. We're talking about infiltration. The National Pulse, Raheem, others have been doing a great job of how the CCP is everywhere. They're in back of Bergeron. They're, they're everywhere in the United States. They've infected Wall Street, uh, the uh, universities, all of it. Talk about the Vatican. The Vatican is actually bragging about extending this deal. They haven't, re they haven't answered Miles Grove. Miles Grove said, hey, you guys are uh, taking cash money from the CCP for this deal. Uh, McCarrick negotiated this, the worst devil in the world, McCarrick, right, negotiated this. Walk our audience through where we stand today and what is your latest reporting on the Chinese Communist Party in the Vatican? Steve, all signs are, point, are pointing to a renewal of the Vatican-China agreement. But there has been a historic, unprecedented development which has never been seen before. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has begun a strong diplomatic campaign denouncing the renewal of this deal. Last week, Pompeo wrote a very long article in First Things, which is the premier intellectual Catholic periodical in America, which I might add is read every week by the Vatican. And he lays out this very strong, blistering attack um, against 
the CCP and the religious persecution in the last two years when this Vatican Agreement was unfolding. And he has a powerful voice, but he ends with this warning and urges the Vatican not to renew this agreement because Pompeo says that the CCP manages to bring the Catholic Church to heal, regimes that disdain human rights will be emboldened. The Pompeo misses no words. I and mean, this is the diplomatic throwdown. He is putting down a diplomatic marker that we have never seen before. But he even went further. He, in a Twitter account, Pompeo said, the CCP's abuse of the faithful has gotten worse. The Vatican endangers its own moral authority if it renews the deal. I mean, he is standing with, our Secretary of State is standing with Chinese Catholics. And basically he's saying the Vatican is not. Now, interestingly, Jimmy Lai and a number of Hong Kong um, dissidents and freedom fighters spoke up and, and praised uh, Pompeo's, uh, not only his Twitter, but his article. And Jimmy Lai has come down really hard on uh, against the CP, CCP and the Vatican and praised the government of the United States for standing with Hong Kong. So essentially, the State Department is performing the work that the Vatican should be doing, fighting against the persecution of Christians. See, this is an issue not just for Catholics, but as you know, Christians around the world, religious freedom um, uh, fighters have been pleading with the Vatican to end this deal and to walk away from the violence and persecution of the CCP. But the moral voice of the Vatican is at risk and it's being um, subsumed by the CCP. Okay, uh, Liz, we're going to be all over the story in the days and week ahead. There can't be anything more important. The Vatican cannot be allowed to, uh, and by the way, this has nothing to do with theology. This has to do with uh, with uh, uh, politics and with geopolitics. Cardinal Zen, I think the, the holiest guy in the Catholic Church, is adamantly opposed to this. Liz, real quickly, how do people get to your Twitter feed? We're going to be pushing this hard over the next couple of weeks to try to stop the Vatican from getting in deeper in with the Chinese Communist Party. What's your Twitter handle? How do people get to your writings? Uh, Elizabeth Yor is my Twitter, and my website is yorechildren.com. Liz, thank you so much. Jack, can you take us out? we got about 30 seconds. Jack Maxey, take us out. Raheem and Jack are going to take you home from here. I certainly will, and she mentions Jimmy Lai. Jimmy Lai and Apple Daily have reported that several Catholic priests inside mainland China who've refused to join the patriotic organizations, which they were not required to do under the, the agreement with the Pope, have been arrested. The Pope has to stand up and do the right thing. We'll be back in just a minute. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Jack Maxey in the War Room holding down the fort here on Capitol Hill. I've got Rahima up in New York City. It looks like Steve has stepped away. He's on a mission today to win back 
the government, because people, we were talking about the presidency here, but I think we got to start concentrating on the House. Let's take down all three of them. Let's get control back and let's take back our country. Look at them. They are panicking. And it is time to keep pressing our shoulders to the wheel, as Mr. Bannon says. Raheem Kassam is going to give us a little update on what's going on in Britain. People over there are a little bit upset because it looks like they're going to a full lockdown. Raheem, over to you. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, look, I mean, the situation in the United Kingdom is is looking explicitly uh, dire, uh, given the, I don't know, I mean, I, I hate to be churlish about this, but really the fecklessness of the Boris Johnson government. I've never been a Boris Johnson guy. Um, he's he's always, I mean, I, I've known him personally. I have his cell phone number in my phone. I've just, uh, he's always, to me, been a, a bit of a just, just, um, I'll say oh for a buffoon. It's it's worse than that. It's it's an unserious person, which is why I really resent the comparisons uh, to Donald Trump, especially he's not the British Donald Trump because Donald Trump is a serious guy. You know, think to you take what you like away about Donald Trump. You know, but he gets things done. He's always got things done. He's always taken things that he does very seriously. And as Steve always says to me, and one of the greatest life lessons Steve Bannon ever taught me, is that how you do anything is how you do everything, right? And how Boris Johnson does anything is is just remarkably terrible, just remarkably feckless, lazy, um, not serious, not not in the detail, not not concerned about the, the, the finer points. And for a man who claims Winston Churchill is his... Uh, is his hero, and he's written books about Winston Churchill. He has no Churchillian nature about him whatsoever. Yeah, Boris Johnson gave over the mantle of handling this pandemic to the scientists who, uh, you know, wanted to just initiate a mass panic across the country, shut the whole country down, uh, you know, fine people ten thousand pounds for even leaving their homes, uh, have your neighbours uh, rat on you to the police if you're gathering more than you know two or three or four people whatever the rule arcane rule was and now it's coming back to bite them again i mean this 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 british response is embarrassing and i'm embarrassed for my country and i'm embarrassed for my countrymen who just don't want to sit around indoors uh, uh, you know fiddling twiddling our thumbs anymore uh, and wondering oh when is the government going to tell us we're free again and and you can see it out there now. Nigel Farage has now uh, come out recently and done a, done a whole stop the second lockdown uh, video as a result of all of this. They're talking about closing pubs now again. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a devastating economic impact to go into a second lockdown. But that's exactly where Boris Johnson is, and is and the bureaucracy that runs Boris Johnson, which includes his liberal left uh, fiance Carrie Simmons. This is exactly where it's ta- taking Britain again. I mean, Britain will be a basket case economy in five years' time if we go into another lockdown. Can't afford for it to happen, Jack. Uh, listen, I'm in total agreement. I said it a couple days ago. I think that Boris has sort of lost the reins to his uh, wagon, if you will. And I talked to some of my friends in Britain, and they're really just livid. And the fact there's going to be a mandatory mask requirement everywhere and you're seeing this around the world, this kind of reaction to this uh, COVID-19 dilemma rather than uh, a planned uh, approach. And one of the things that I think both we in the United States, I think in Great Britain and I think around the world is we have to stand up and confront this thing. We can't continue to hide. We know how to deal with it. I think that we have effective therapeutics now. 
As I've said from day one, we know who the vulnerable are. That should have been made clear. It's as if we're only now having the conversation on the idea that it is the very elderly, the obese, the diabetic, the heart disease that are actually going to get sick. And we've seen this in polling here in the United States, Raheem, where there's just this way off the charts understanding about the danger of this disease for children and people under 30. There's this sense that it is much more dangerous than it is. And also, without being incredibly callous, at some point in a war, you have to be able to absorb your casualties and continue to fight the war. I personally, and this may get me in a lot of trouble, I personally think that the price that we have paid for this pandemic shutdown around the West has been far too great compared to what was saved by doing it, especially since in almost every single country we failed to protect the most vulnerable. Back to you, Raheem. Yeah, Jack, just give me a give me a time count as well real quick. Uh, we've got some time. You've got plenty of time. All right, great. Okay, so look, I want to jump into some of these rules that are, that are now being implemented in the, in the United Kingdom because, again, they're incredibly arbitrary. And I think a lot of people will be looking at this. Certainly the markets are looking at this and not liking what they're saying. And Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson... Uh, it refuses, fails time and time again to identify this virus, where it came from, who is responsible, refuses to assail the Chinese Communist Party, refuses to take the fight to the real enemy that has waged war on the Western world. I mean, Boris Johnson is leading Britain down a path of total total uh, uh, anonymity on the world stage, just irrelevance on the world stage. And we need a muscular leader to stand up and take the fight to the CCP over this virus. Look at what it's done to the United Kingdom. Not just how many lives it's taken, but how many livelihoods it's taken. Boris Johnson is now talking about a six-month lockdown measures uh, uh, implementation. That was breaking news about seven minutes ago, live on the BBC website, talking about a six-month uh, lockdown period and and why why let's ask the question okay a lot of people out there fair-minded people will be saying oh Raheem, <coughs> maybe boris johnson knows more about this uh than you do all right maybe he does i doubt it but maybe he does okay so let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt and go into the details here okay so the number of uk cases rose by 4926 on tuesday that's a big number the number of deaths rose by 37 and this is the distinction that people are seeing out there now and going, hey, wait a minute. We now understand this virus a little bit better. We now understand the measures we need to take as personal, individual responsibilities that we need to take. We now understand that if we don't want to be exposed to anything like this, you know, maybe we shouldn't take the train up to New York. Maybe we shouldn't, uh, you know, go shopping in, in, in High Wycombe High Street, wherever you are in the world. We understand the risks here and we understand who's at risk here right at least uh, look we're, we're, we're uh, you know masked up we have uh, more ventilators in our hospitals than ever we have the new nhs nightingale hospitals we have the ability to roll out these great uh, navy hospitals on the on the hudson river here in new york city you know the world now understands this a lot more and a lot better and for boris johnson to be coming out with pub closures Nicola Sturgeon in Scotland is talking about a 10 p.m. curfew for hospitality businesses. Your maximum people you're allowed at a wedding is 15 now. I mean, people are sick of it, Jack, and the numbers just do not back up the British government's response. 
Well, and it's the same thing that we're seeing here, Raheem, this kind of like persistent attempt to keep us in a state of fear. I think that average people, both in Great Britain and the United States, can look around and this is not, uh, we're not seeing people drop on the street like we thought we were six months ago going to see. And every time when you see one of these places around the world fix the issue, immediately the media ignores it. I think one of the greatest examples, and I have said it many times, and I hold the New York Times responsible for their shoddy journalism. In April, they ran a story on a city called Guanaquil in Ecuador, second largest city in the country. It was the one where they had the front page picture of people dying in the street. People couldn't keep up with it. And they did. They had close to 500 deaths at the height of their issue. What did they do? They went out. They got hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin. They got a drug very similar to ivermectin. They made this available on every block, in every neighborhood, in every pharmacy, and every clinic for everybody. In one month, in one month, the city of Guanacil, a very impoverished city, went from 500 deaths a day to almost zero. The New York Times never followed up with that. And so I have to wonder, why is it that the Western countries seem to be doing so much more poorly, or the advanced nations, if you will, than some of the third world nations? And it's, it's a question that I think hinges upon how we approach the disease itself and the fact that we have created fear around the therapeutics, hydroxychloroquine, the most dangerous, safe drug in history, while we want to pump people full of remdesivir at $3,000 a shot, when we know it creates organ issues for 30% of the people who receive it. And you have the FDA say, oh, it's, it's safe for children, too. How do they know it's safe for children? Remember, NIH gets 30% of their funding from the pharmaceutical companies. That's why there's always a new cure, right? Remember, we used to take aspirin when we were kids. Now there's 80 different versions of aspirin at 50 times the cost. So I think that the tail of the tape in this whole thing, Raheem, is going to make a lot of people look badly. And when we're talking about Boris Johnson, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm starting to miss Theresa May. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd go that far, Jack, <laughs> but, uh, you know, genuinely you have to look at this and, and say, and it comes back to a lot of the Brexit stuff, right? I talked about the Brexit vote last night at our event in New York because so much of the lawfare campaign that we're seeing taking place right now is uh, a, uh, you know, they trialed that with Brexit. They dragged Brexit out for nearly five extra years uh, by uh, by mounting a lawfare campaign. So I was talking about Brexit, uh, uh, and Boris Johnson, was really one of the people that came out as a, uh, as a result of the Conservative Party finally getting its head around the fact that the British public did want to leave the European Union. So it wasn't a Brexiteer at the start. He had to be cajoled into this and somehow ended up becoming Prime Minister as a result of all of it. I mean, this is the quirk of our parliamentary system. I always get asked by Americans, hey, how come Nigel Farage isn't the Prime Minister? Well, you know, you have to, you have, to have a majority uh, of seats in Parliament. Uh, for that to happen, which means you have to be able to put up about 25 to 30 million pounds uh, in a war chest to fight an election across the country. And Boris Johnson and the uh, uh, establishment Conservative Party always have that money in their back pockets because they've got the hedge fund donors uh, and everything they've inherited uh, from the time of, of, of the uh, Conservative Party of Margaret Thatcher. Uh, but here's why, it, here's why it's important. 
because Boris Johnson has no earthly idea what he's doing when it comes to this, containing this virus, containing the fear, containing the panic, and maintaining the British economy. You know, we have a we have a, a, a free trade negotiation uh, that's going on between the United Kingdom and the United States right now, something that I've just been uh, urging for, for so long for that to happen. And guess what we're getting right now is nothing, because Boris Johnson's government is being wholly consumed uh, by its own fecklessness over this virus. Jack, I know we've got about a minute left here, so I'm going to throw it back over to you uh, before we hit the next segment. No, you know what? Where I look at Boris Johnson, in a weird way, he's kind of a Clinton-esque kind of character, right? He's a hell fell well you know, well met fellow, you know, hell fellow well met. But he doesn't really have a credo. It's as if he doesn't have a core belief system, and that's why he waffles around in a crisis. And I think that you know we see this in some of our political leaders too. It's as if they give lip service to our ideals, and in our case, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. But the reality is, these are just props for them. And in crisis, it's fundamental that everybody go back to the original basis for our country, the original basis for our ethics, and all of these are available for us. The strength is there. You just got to look back, man. They've got, a, got millions of Americans there in the shadows of the spirit world. They got your six. Do the right thing, people. We'll be back in just a minute. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Well, I think in the clip you showed, those are exactly the right questions to ask, Mika. You know, what, what China's engaged in and what I describe in the book is this really sustained effort to just suck in as much data as they can. And what they hope to do is then apply artificial intelligence technologies to gain a differential advantage in the emerging data economy and also to weaponize our data against us. So anybody who says, oh, why should we be concerned about TikTok's algorithm? I think we should just ask the question of them. Hey, do you expect the, the Chinese Communist Party to treat you better than they treat their own citizens? And so this, these are important questions, right? Who owns the algorithm? Where does, you know, where does, the, da where does the data where does the data go ultimately? Uh, but this is the beginning, I think. This is the beginning of, uh, of I think, what, what has to be a sustained effort to protect our, ourselves against these kind of pernicious efforts to, to steal or to transfer or, or, or to, to trick us into giving up our data to the Chinese Communist Party. Back in the war room here, episode 400 on Capitol Hill. That was retired General McMaster's calling out TikTok for what it is, a giant vacuuming operation to pick up your data so that using artificial intelligence, the Chinese Communist Party can create personality profiles. They can find weaknesses, ways that they can manipulate people, not just now, but decades into the future. People, we are watching the Chinese Communist Party create that big brother nightmare that we all read about in high school when we picked up our Orwell in 1984 and others. We have to pay attention to this. And when they start losing a guy like McMaster's and he starts becoming a fire-breathing anti-communist party person, you know that we are winning the narrative. Raheem and I have talked about this many times. I'm of the belief that the president should keep his word, and that's why I supported him 
on delaying the Supreme Court announcement until after Ruth Bader Ginsburg is in the ground with her husband at uh, Arlington National Cemetery. But I think we have to move forward. And I think that, uh, you know, that there's no time like the present. Where TikTok is concerned, the president said several days ago that he was going to give them till Sunday to make a deal. As far as I'm concerned, the clock has run out. Deal is over. I don't think we should give the Chinese communists even one more second to delay this thing. End it, Mr. President. Take the leadership of the great and brilliant Prime Minister Modi of India and cut the rope. India, for example, just has their trade, their balance of trade with China dropped by 27% in the last quarter. You think the Indian people are suffering? No. They are celebrating in the streets because it's unifying them around their flag in opposition to the Chinese communists who are trying to slice little pieces of their territory off along the Tibetan border. Back to you, Raheem. Yeah, you know, even a, a broken clock is right uh, twice a day, and I think that's what we saw from uh, McMaster there. Here's the deal, though. I mean, all these guys who are now suddenly, oh, yeah, China, big deal, big problem. We've got to deal with it. Uh, these are the guys who have been you know, in power and had the ability to deal with this stuff for uh, years and years, if not decades and decades, especially with the uh, establishment status quo class in Washington, D.C., uh, some of them now flipping very quickly, realizing uh, where this whole thing is going with uh, China and the Chinese Communist Party and trying to put themselves on the right side of history. That's fine. You know, we want more allies. We want more people on board. I uh, just want to hear a mere culpa from some of them before they come out and pretend like they were always hawks on these issues. I mean, the TikTok thing, uh, the bite dance deal that you're seeing taking place here is, is nonsense. It's a total nonsense. It's a total fudge. And it's trying to pull the wool over the eyes of the American public once again. And uh, ByteDance will, under this deal that they're proposing, ByteDance will retain control uh, over TikTok in the United States. They will control the data. They will control the algorithm. They will control the way it operates. And they will control your data, your cell device, your pasted uh, clipboard. You know, th that's the point. And there can be no entertainment of this. Oh, Oracle's going to take 10% and Walmart's going to take 10% and, you know, we're going to put everything on the servers and Walmart servers and they're going to be really secure here in the United States. No, no, no. Here's the thing. If you're going to allow this app to exist on the app stores in the United States, it has to be a totally separate venture with a big, thick, hard firewall between that TikTok app and its Chinese equivalent. That's option one. Option two, just get rid of it totally. Don't need it. Uh, if an American company wants to come up with an app that's very similar, use that one instead. And number three, the algorithm. The algorithm needs to be made public. People should be allowed to scrutinize what is sucking down their data, how it's being used, who gets to see it, and who it's being passed to. You know, HR McMaster said that they're not just doing this to know what kind of cereal you're buying from the supermarket. That's what Walmart wants to do, right? But they're using it to develop a broader AI mechanism where everything becomes predictive. They can tell you what you're going to do before you even know it yourselves. That's the play here. That's the, that's, this is the stuff that the, the, the technologists have been telling us is coming down the line, you know, the singularity in decades and decades to come. This is what the Chinese Communist Party is aiming for. So, the, the, Mr. President, the deal sucks. Throw it off the table, Jack. I'm in 100% agreement I'm, with you. And we know from the Chinese study of their AI, they are very, very interested in predictability. Now, they say, I'm talking about behavioral predictability, they claim that 
much of their efforts are to try and figure out who's going to be the criminal. But let's remember, this would it could be like which 10-year-old is going to be a homosexual or which 10-year-old is going to have some other kind of thing that they might want to keep secret. This is a terrifying kind of thing that people have to see for what it is. They are trying to use this information so that they can figure out who you are on almost a spiritual level. And they're doing this across the planet. This is so that in a future date, they can use that AI predictability to influence you and your behavior, your family, etc. This is how we undermine our democracy. And we saw this today with this release about the Tibetan police officer up in uh, New York City, right? You think this guy's alone? He is the tip of the iceberg. We've got the head of the chemistry department at Harvard University betraying America. These are what Cicero described as the traitors in our midst. We cannot survive with these people fighting against us in the shadows. It's time for everybody to stand up. It's time to point out the bad actors. It's time to shame them. And it's time to take back this amazing, amazing country. I had the good fortune about a week or two ago to walk through Arlington Cemetery. Let me tell you what, on my, for my personal promise, I'm not going to let those men down. And I don't think you are either. America's worth it. Get in the fight. Let's take back this country and reelect Donald Trump.